Welcome to Criminal Gines, a comedic true crime watch-along podcast where we watch Criminal Minds, all 15 seasons, and discuss the true crime that can be linked, however indirectly, to the episode. We're your hosts, Stacey Johnson and Veronica Shea, and this week we're joined by Amanda McHenry in discussing Season 2, Episode 1, The Fisher King, Part 2. I guess we should start. We could. Welcome to season two. <laughs> Welcome to season two, babies. Show your titty. Oh, God. Okay. Things are happening. Okay. Uh, Veronica Shea, I'm really upset that you didn't wear your other sweatshirt. Oh, you didn't tell me. I didn't tell you. You're correct. So this is on me. <laughs> we have matching sweatshirts, Amanda, and says, you have to read them next to each other. Mine says makes when apart and her says nothing sense. No, yours says sense. Oh. No, mine says no. <laughs> nothing sense. We're when you when you put us together it says nothing makes sense when we're apart. But to be fair, nothing but makes it, sense when we're together. I was going to say, so. you have to be wearing a sweatshirt or it doesn't count. I know. That's why this is kind of great. <laughs> I am wearing the sweatshirt that you left at my house, though. Oh, yeah. I did leave her this sweatshirt. Because really, when am I going to wear an LA Kings thing? Because we went to go see hockey and I've never been before. And I, just, I was like, going to say, what is that hockey? Yeah, yeah. It's where you go find your future husband. Oh, yeah. Hockey. That kid was... That was fun. That's how we played it. We looked at the roster before and we picked our boyfriends and then yeah, yeah, yeah. cheered for that person. Yep. Yeah. That's my favorite. Scene. But then our boyfriends <laughs> changed because. Mine you know. did. I didn't like my first boyfriend. And then I really found the love of my life. Their enforcer, mm. Lemieux, okay. I think is his last name. If you're that out there, friend- baby. Something like that. I'm super sponsor into us. It. I'm just kidding. I like sponsor us. Sponsored by the NHL. Amanda, I would die. I would die. Can you imagine? (laughs) Just us at like hockey games all the freaking time. They roll you out. I would become a toxic man. Oh, mm -hmm, I would mm -hmm, literally use that mm -hmm. power improperly. I would be sexually harassing everyone in the locker rooms. She's just kidding. She doesn't actually mean that. I can't mean that. (laughs) Please sponsor us. Let's see what shit we can get into. It would be like Brendan Fraser in Bedazzled when he's in the NBA and he just has the biggest dong of all time. (laughs) Literally one of my dad's favorite movies of all time. I think. Oh my god. Do you want to know what my dad's favorite one of my dad's favorite movies is? This is how I know my dad is so sensitive and sweet. Waitress. It's such a good movie. It is such a good movie, but that man will sit there and just watch it like this. So wrong. (laughs) One of my dad's favorites, and I should preface this with saying that he was a sharpshooter in the Marines. Yes. And he still has like a carry conceal. One of his favorite movies is Love Actually. Uh, that movie's freaking great. You cannot yes. deny it. The classic. It's like that and Hunt for Red October. <laughs> the classic <laughs> pairing. In a balance, okay? Oh my gosh, I'm dead. Okay, well, Amanda, thank you so much for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me. Your Our Buddy Bundies have honestly made my life. <laughs> Oh, they're great. They're some of my favorites that we do. I love our buddy. buddy. I'm glad you're like, they're more unhinged than I could have ever hoped for. And I'm obsessed with them. Yes, they get more unhinged every time. 
but we're bringing you on today to talk about a real weirdo. <laughs> but it's season two, episode one, The Fisher King part two. And this <laughs> is a continuation from obviously the end of season one, The Fisher the King part finale. one. So Correct. huge finale, right? We left off this girl, Rebecca has been kidnapped. She's being held hostage. And the team has been given these like mementos as clues that are very personal to each one of them and a book key. And they've been told that they can't have any outside help. And they went to the press. And when Elle is taken home by another FBI agent to get some rest, the unsub, I just had a delivery. Okay. I'm so sorry. The unsub <laughs> is waiting in her house and shoots her. And that's where we leave off in season one. Is that your house? He is here. <gasps> a delivery. It's my dog. Okay. So the team is stalled. They don't know where to go from here. And Gideon's like, throw out the clues. Where would we start? So they go back to the basics and they talk about victimology. Morgan and JJ go to find out what they can about this missing girl. Hotch realizes that the agent who took Elle home is back at work. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Get back and keep an eye on L. Someone's out there with all of our personal information. Meanwhile, L, who has been shot, is having like death hallucinations in the team jet. <laughs> and she keeps talking to her dead dad, who she insists on calling daddy. And I'm like, you're an adult woman. Daddy. I know you were so close on this one. No. <laughs> and she keeps saying that she like wants to join him on the other side. And she was, she was like, I want to just like, what if I want to be with you? And I'm like, yeah, go, girl, go into the light. You know what I mean? Go. <laughs> but the EMTs are trying their best to save her. And the word rules is written on the wall in her blood for obvious reasons. The delivery guy who brought clues to Hotch's house comes in and is able to give a physical description of our unsub, who we find out is severely burned. Reed finally starts putting the clues to good use and figures out the book edition that they need for the key, The Collector by John Fowles, which our unsub from episode 19 with Emma, it was the one you weren't on, Stacey, that guy... John Pardo. Oh, I'm reaching back. Um, John Bardo. John. John, who was a stalker, had this book in his <laughs> trunk when he was killed. So I just would like to throw that out there. Okay. Wild. So cool. Love it. They need this specific book. The unsub calls Gideon and lets them know that he attacked Elle. He thinks he killed her. So Gideon and Hotchner go to the hospital. Elle's in surgery. And we're like, please don't make it. And we get a lot of exposition from the FBI guy who left her at her house to be murdered. And he's supposed to have been crying, but it really just looks like he like rubbed an onion on his eyes. So it does. I was like, that's some fake ass makeup right it there. Was like, not you can't good. even be better. Come on, criminal minds. I have so many thoughts about this episode and I'm just waiting for you to finish. Okay. Always feel free to interrupt me. Um, okay. So. Reed talks to a librarian who provides him all the individual words for the key and it's incredibly draining. He's asking her so slowly. It's like, can you send her the key and she'll fax you back the poem <laughs> that you guys get by the end, right? It's like, let's not do this in real time. But he realizes that his mother is somehow involved and he brings her to Quantico where the team finds out that she's a paranoid schizophrenic and that she's also Jane Lynch. How these people didn't know is beyond me like garcia has all their files you'd think that would be in there and also gideon and hot like background checks i don't know yeah i'm gonna be honest if i was a garcia 
honestly, even if it was just normal me, I'm looking up everybody's shit. Like I am, I am looking up everybody's stuff. And I'm like, ooh, if I work at the FBI and I have full access to shit, you know I'm going to be doing that. Yeah, Sorry, yeah like we don't even work for yes. the FBI and we do that stuff in, on a regular basis, you know? Yes. Correct. Okay, so JJ and Morgan are finally at the missing girl's last house. It was a foster to adopt situation. I'm told that's like a, a lease to buy. And she ran away a lot. She was like, thank you for getting the joke. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it. She was like a troubled kid. She was like doing vandalism and smoking and running away. So no one like really cared when she like quote unquote ran away the last time. And Morgan was like, Well, she didn't run away, did she? And the detective was like, I guess not. <laughs> I like, okay, a girl's missing. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. So they find out finally that she was actually adopted and what her her you know real name was and they find out there was an incident that when she was five her entire house burned down and all of her family died except her dad who would have been severely burned so let's put this all together quick little google search and they find out that it was in las vegas and her dad was like so distraught that he ended up being institutionalized with reed's mom so jane lynch who is now in quantico is able to ID the man based on his voice and physical description. They're all putting the pieces together. And the, so it's obviously the girl's dad, Randall Garner. And she was also given a photo of the house with an address on it to give to the team. So they're like, here we are. So had we just brought Jane Lynch in earlier, really, this wouldn't have taken so long. Yeah. Okay. And another thing, if... Okay, so there's that moment in the thing where he's like having a standoff with Reed, and Reed's like, "No, guys, we we can't. We got to break the delusion. We got to go in there, and we can't." We're not there yet. Oh, just kidding. Keep going. So now they go to the house (laughs) (laughs) to find Rebecca, and they find Randall Garner upstairs, who wants them to ask like a magical question that will heal him because he's in this delusion that they're all knights of the round table. (laughs) Fucking Stacy, just jumping the gun. Um, Interrupt. This is just crazy behavior. She's just very passionate about World of Warcraft. (laughs) She's just like, he's just like crazy. And he sets off a bomb vest, but they're able to get Rebecca out of the basement in the nick of time. And unfortunately, Elle survives. Now, Stacey, you had some issues here with the last act. (laughs) Ready and go. Okay, so anyways. Okay, I have two things that I really want to bring up. Okay, so first off, the delusion part where Reed's like in there and he's like having a standoff and he's like, he's like, no, guys, we got to break the delusion and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, if you would have just played into it, you could have like one done this a lot faster and I'm pretty sure he still would have blown up, but you could have gone away. Like, that didn't make any sense, you dummy. Number two. When, okay, when Shamar Moore and What's-Her-Butt are in the car, JJ. and they're like, JJ, yeah, yeah. And they're like, away, and then they get the news. <laughs> oh, God, so, that was, like, so terrible acting. Oh, my God. Yeah, I skipped that part because it was so upsetting. It was so terrible. But the best fucking moment, the best, is when he stops the car. <laughs> Pull that Tahoe over, baby. He pulls the Tahoe over and it, he stops it perfectly on the sidewalk in between two red spots. I'm like, he I'm is like, nothing if not a rule abider, and that is why we love him. I know. I was like, 
guys. And guys. then in the next, like the next beat is pulling an illegal Yui over a median by know, a sign I'm that says like, no U turn. It doesn't make any sense. I was here for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, not to jump the gun to give me more, but he definitely lost points for that scene alone. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, oh my gosh. Well, let's do that's give actually me more. a really great transition. Yeah, I'm let's do more transitions. To it. Oh, this is going to be our season of transitions. <laughs> give me, give me more. So hold it up. Hold it up. I emailed it to you, idiots. Yeah, yeah. There he is, pulling his Tahoe. Oh, she's fine, though, right? <laughs> Idiot. This is him, like, he, this was when he was like, let me guess. Reed figured it out, and we drove all this way for no <laughs> yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, JJ, what? JJ, what? She's insane. <laughs> and then he pretends like L is in any way as important to him as Prentice is about to be. <laughs> like, I believe him and Prentice's relationship way more than him and L. He did get a lot of points. I know that we are talking about part two, but he did get a solid, like, nine for part one. Topless. Let us see all your tattoos 360 degrees. Mm-hmm. But then immediately mm-hmm. that scene, you lost it. Except for his tramp stamp. Oh, the tramp stamp. Yeah. He does have a tramp stamp. And it says freedom, right? Stamp. We really would. Is that what it said? Yeah. It just says, like, see- freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here we are. I mean, this one, I really like his <laughs> teeth in this smile. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Got a good smile, super bright, white, just good teeth all around. I'm gonna give it a six, though. It's through five, but I like that. Well, oh. <laughs> oh my god, we take one break, and I'm like, I'm gonna give it a six. I thought it was based on <laughs> over here, like nine. No, out of five. You can't have ten helpings of something. You'll be sick. Mm, okay, well, I guess he's a solid three. Okay. I feel bad saying that, but wow. I know. I feel bad for saying that, too, when it's out of five. But for some reason, out of ten, it's fine. Exactly. I'm going to say three. I'm going to say three, yeah. It was okay. Like, good, solid smile, cheeky a little bit. But I know we're not really supposed to base it off of the episode and just the photo alone. But it's tainted but for you. It's tainted. Those things are tainted. Three. Amanda, you too? Yeah, I'm solid with the three. All right. Um, I guess I'll do a three too. But I do think it's just because we didn't get to see enough of him in this. And he was given the impossible task of having to emotionally care about Elle. (laughs) Which, like, how are you going to get through that scene, you know? He did his best. But I don't think there was enough of him. So three. So what you're saying is he deserved the Golden Globe. Correct. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely accurate well then you know what i'm gonna uh, since you guys are the experts of criminal minds i'm gonna go ahead and bump it up to a four <gasps> okay Yay. because i can I like respect that. hard work you know what i mean yeah i yeah. like that is you really do have to take everything into consideration not just the, if it's just the outside package it's gonna be a five every time it's shamar let's all be honest truly snaps for shamar snaps Snaps for tomorrow. So our unsub this week is Samuel Leg the Third, aka Doctor No. Samuel Leg the Third, piece of garbage, truck driver, serial killer, uh, who was convicted of murdering at least nine women in the 80s and 90s, but they assume there's more than that. They were mostly sex workers, but some of them were also just young girls. And he has been 
not convicted because twice now they've said he is incompetent to face trial. He is too mentally unwell. So he is in Which a is hard to get. That's like a hard yes. thing to get. Yeah. And they've they've let him go twice. Like yeah. his next trial they said was in twenty twenty five. Like that's mm-hmm. yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's insane how much too how much coverage this has gotten by like other podcasts and I mean this mm-hmm. whole thing is extremely interesting with like his MO and all that stuff. So Yeah, yeah. And the fact that it is so like his capture has been pretty recent, even though his crimes are like decades old, but to now actually have answers. And a lot of his victims have only been identified like recently in the last few years, which is even even like crazier to think about, you know. Right. Thank you, DNA. For real. Yeah, they caught him through familial DNA. Yeah. Yeah. Which I know is like a controversial topic for some people. Like some people don't know how they feel about it and blah, blah, blah. But it has like connecting the dots with that has led us to so many like open cases and closing the loop with that of decades old cold cases i couldn't think of the word for a second but it's yeah this is wild that he got caught via that one thing that i couldn't find and that i couldn't look up and that i really tried to do some digging on him was the um like who they connected it to like how whose dna Mm. they got it was, um, I believe, oh shit, I actually like a, had the, the familial yeah, I, I tried- DNA thing up. I found it. Okay, I actually have it. So, word that a familial DNA test had resulted on a hit in CODIS. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe they don't name I don't the think person. They, they, um, yeah. Usually, though, it is from the 23andMe things. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I thought regardless insane (laughs) but yeah like was it a sibling was it like a niece a nephew right 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 because regardless it happened and it's i think that's great hold on we had a family tree and all the birth certificates laid out the man in codis has a father and two brothers including okay so it was his brother got it 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 will be like very interesting and exciting how they catch and identify more of these people and like solve more of these crimes even like being able to identify missing people in this way you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah oh it wasn't i'm so sorry it wasn't 23 and me in this case his brother his brother's dna was in codis so mm-hmm. they were able to run just like a general familial dna like blanket thing and i think that's what people have a problem with to see if any of the cold cases like popped up right if it hits at all and it did yeah it's kind of like going on to what's that movie that tom hanks was it tom hanks i don't know where they like essentially have these beings that predict future crimes minority report tom cruise baby that's what it was tom, tom cruise what did i say did i say tom hanks yeah that would be a very different okay, movie oh my but God. yeah <laughs> some people have kind of linked it to that like you're basically i don't know but anyways well regardless. don't rape and murder people you know like i don't know what to tell you yeah then like don't be a criminal period yeah that's what i'm saying criminal 
Grimmel. I was just watching a like HBO documentary from I think a few years back actually. It was a woman who was uh, sexually assaulted mm-hmm. and the like time was running out for when they have to bring charges against someone, right? Statute of limitations. Right. The statute of limitations was coming up. And so they went to the judge and said, we would like an arrest warrant for John Doe DNA sequence because they had his DNA, but not Mm. anything else. And the judge signed it. And because it's basically like saying, I know it's Stacy because this is the only person's DNA who it could be. They signed it and they were able to keep it open until this guy ended up murdering someone else in a different county where he lived and they were able to prosecute. So that's insane. I don't know. I'm kind of okay with it. It's how we got uh, BTK. Like, Mm. yeah, yeah. And his other stupidness too. I mean, he he did a lot of. Bullshit. That's how we got the icing on the cake that was BTK. I love that it's able to connect the dots. I think in the case of like, this is a bad example because he very clearly did it. But the Brianna Dennison case where like bad example, but because he he did do it. Uh, What I'm saying is like what I would hope that they continue to do. And I don't know the process is like once they have the connection that they do actually test his DNA specifically so that they can make a full connection. So not just like a, like, Oh, we tested it and it's close to his cousin. So we think it's this guy. And then once they get him, then they actually test his DNA and then like get a full match. Oh, they do. Okay, great. I was like, I don't yeah. really know the process, but I hope because in that, this, that is included in that. In this case, in the Dr. No case, uh, of our guy, there was another uh, guy who pinged yeah. based on DNA, and they brought him in and tested his DNA, but it wasn't a match. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the one thing, what I couldn't find a ton on was, and what I really love, and this is interesting because what I love to do is make the connections as to like how they got to where they got and why they did the things that they did, was a lot of his like fam- familial history and like his younger years and what his life was like as a younger person and what led him to get to this space so there wasn't a lot of background history on that there really was just a lot of information on like his crimes in the current cases yeah so Mm -hmm. i think once once they're convicted that opens up yeah right like no no one would bother doing that on someone who's not convicted but i feel like i personally do not think he will ever go to trial i think he will be you know standing competent correct and be yeah yeah until yeah like he's not getting out he's for all intents and purposes imprisoned in a psychiatric facility yeah Mm -hmm. it was really interesting like that's one of the things that's always fascinating to me with like serial killers and stuff is the mental and psychological aspect and so the fact that he keeps being seen as unfit for trial and they just keep putting it back it's like so uh, like what are you gonna do about this then what are you waiting for yeah is it just like they're just gonna keep doing this and that's kind of how it's gonna go like oh he's too mental he's too mental like right probably and i was trying to find what like he what mental illnesses like what are at play here and i read i read that neurosyphilis is at play but also like extreme depression what else was it schizophrenia schizophrenia yes 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 I don't know. That kind of stuff, though, I find endlessly fascinating. 
Mm-hmm. Same. And it's like, you can stand trial as a schizophrenic because at some point you will come back. Like once they find the right meds, they can get you back mm-hmm. to be competent. Mm-hmm. Neurosyphilis doesn't revert like, back. You're you just, just keep getting wrecked. Swiss cheese brain. Like, yes. So yes. I don't, that's why I don't think he'll ever stand trial. And then, so it's mm-hmm. like, isn't that enough to be like, okay, but he did it. We have the DNA. Like, obviously he's not going to go to prison. I mean, he is imprisoned. Like for that, me, that's fine. It's like, let's get some background information on this guy. Right. Let's open it up. Right. Right. Yeah. Can't you like at least close the case? Right. Or like now it's really just like, so there's no question in the fact that he did it, right? That he did these crimes. Yeah. I think it's He's like even now- confessed to them. Yeah, exactly. So now it's like, the trial is really just what do we do with him now? Yeah. Do we put him in for whatever? Or do we take him to a mental institution where we get help? Or is is rehabilitation even at all possible at this point? And so that part to me is really extremely interesting. But Dr. No. Yeah, take also, us through it, Stace. A.K.A. The Ohio prostitute killer. A.K.A. The I-71 killer. So many um, nicknames. How funny. I know, right? I, I know, know many of them. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving so on. Stupid. Oh, God. It's already going downhill. This is not good. <laughs> Anyways, so he, like Amanda had said, he's definitely thought to be responsible for the murders of at least, keyword, at least nine women they definitely think more the span of his crimes they tell between 1981 and 1990 the victims that he primarily chose were prostitutes working in parking lots a common nickname for these are lot lizards i thought that that was interesting i like that poor girls i know lot lizards Lot lizards, they call people who choose that profession lot lizards. I'm trying to say it as nicely as possible. <laughs> it's like the truck stop hooker. Exactly. They can also be men. Like, it's not just women. But it, it's what I think is funny is they're considered the lowest on the totem pole of sex workers. Yes, That's like they the worst. are. And it's the most dangerous is to work truck stops and like side of the highway like these these ladies. So yeah, ladies be safe. Exactly. So women, men, people, if you choose that, please be safe as possible. But most of his crimes and why one of his nicknames were I well, the I-71 killers, because that's where he mostly hit was truck stops located along Interstate 71. There were suspicions that he did three similar killings in New York, Illinois, and Pennsylvania between like the late 80s. And then it wasn't again until 2019 when they actually identified him using the familial DNA link to these crimes. And then Samuel Legg the third was identified as the doctor no killer. And something that I think is extremely interesting and kind of what Uh, I tout as like the movement of like bringing what is the word like what's that word when you're like trying to be really cautious (laughs) (laughs) you're doing it Stace I'm doing it killing the game Uh, thank you (laughs) we're so tired (laughs) for like safety in truck stops and things like that and along the highway and road safety and brought a lot of light to this was him specifically and these murders that were happening in Ohio that really kind of changed the perception of like road safety and being safe along the highways and pulling when you have to pull over and things like that so 
let's talk about his crimes, his murders. Because again, there wasn't a lot of history on him specifically because this is still an active and open case. Uh, Most of his victims, like I said, were prostitutes at the Union 76 truck stop in Austintown, which is in Ohio. It's also considered the largest in Ohio, which I thought was funny. (laughs) It's like a really most popular like truck stop. Anyways, I don't know why I found that funny, but also interesting. I think I just like truck. I almost just said I like truck stops. I don't. I just like going to grocery stores and gas stations. I think that really interesting. You just love a gas station. I think we know where to find Stacy on a Friday night. (laughs) I love the Alamo. Oh shit, Maverick! Oh my gosh, the Alamo Maverick (laughs) is a good. It's like our Bucky's. Let's be honest. Honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god. Okay, Bucky's is like <laughs> the Walmart of gas stations. There's everything in there. You can get full ass meals. You can get full ass groceries. You can get like a tire. You can get everything that you can imagine <laughs> at Bucky's, and they're huge. God. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um. I just really like gas stations. Gas stations. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ugh, unhinged. Um, okay. Sponsored by Chevron. <laughs> yeah, sponsor us, Maverick. <laughs> oh my God. Unhinged. Episode one is unhinged. So the killings began back in 1981. They found a body in Miami County on April 24th after a forensic examination. It was determined that she died from strangulation. Um, but she did, it should be noted too that he did use blunt force trauma because they did find a head injury beforehand. When they did discover her, there weren't any personal belongings or like any identification or anything like that found with her. So it did make it really challenging to identify her. There also, it should be noted, and I found that this was really interesting, that there wasn't any evidence of sexual assault and she was really well kempt and put together. So they didn't really characterize this victim as a prostitute. They didn't nickname her when they couldn't figure out who she necessarily was as buckskin girl. And it was because she was wearing like a tasseled buckskin poncho. And it wasn't actually until uh, 2018 that they were able to finally identify her as Marsha King. Her rendering, Mm -hmm. did you see her picture rendering that they did? Yes. It looks yes. like a brunette Melissa Joan Hart in like yes. Clarissa Explains It All era. Yes. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, she. But also, too, like, that's a pretty good painting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pretty good, good rendering, rendering. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so his next victim after that was identified as 25 year old Marsha Matthews. She was found beaten really barely alive she was found june 16th 1985 she was actually found by another trucker and really close to this union 76 truck stop like only a a mile away and then she actually didn't die until about two and a half days later from a traumatic brain injury again after blunt force trauma yeah so when i saw that she was found by another trucker i was like is he leaving the bodies just like on the side of the road or did this trucker walk into a field 
and randomly right. happen upon like right we're Again. not even doing a good job of hiding our crime right right he's not even like again this is why i think that as we kind of get into it we can kind of see that it builds and i think that these were crimes of passion necessarily like i think that it wasn't about sexual assault it wasn't about that sexually motivated killings it was like passionate beatings and blunt force trauma and some of the things that like strangulation and things like that it was about power yeah so. it usually is and sex workers are just a um an easy target unfortunately, unfortunately a vulnerable yeah. a vulnerable mm-hmm. community population yes yeah because yeah, like, often people see them as like as disposable no one is looking for them no one's gonna miss them like correct which is completely proved when they're killed in 85 and not identified till you know 2018 2019 yeah 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 exactly exactly so as you know, we kind of move along, we see he's progressing and things are becoming more violent. On July 20th, 1986, they found the body of a 23-year-old prostitute again, Shirley Dean Taylor. She was discovered. She again was also beaten and strangled to death. Before her disappearance, though... This is why it kind of rounds back out to this Union 76 truck stop. She was seen there where, according to witness reports, she went to go meet a regular client nicknamed Dr. No. So I thought this one was really interesting that she was a regular of his and something just happened and snapped to where he mm-hmm. killed her. Like. It makes me wonder how you were just talking about the crimes of passion and how they just escalated more and more. If, like, she was a regular and maybe many of these girls were regulars and once he finally snapped and made that first kill, it was like... then having to satisfy that craving, that need, like, because right. then you can't go back to just like calling on sex workers occasionally. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Correct. And that's why I also think it's so interesting that he kept coming back to this Union 76 truck stop because mm-hmm. that's where it happened. That's where he made the connection and he's chasing that feeling again. So I thought that that was just that part to me was so interesting because when a lot of these crimes, we don't see people coming back to the regular spot like they move on or they go this way and yeah well there are smarter killers so we are seeing a disorganized killer with a lower iq Mm -hmm. um again we don't know when this neurosyphilis fucking happened but schizophrenic doesn't happen when you're 50 so this is someone with disorganized thought patterns already Mm -hmm. he's gonna go to where it was easy right now he has this high of killing and now he's gonna go back to where the population is an easy target where there's a lot of them no one's gonna notice maybe what girl's missing for a few days Mm. who she was with last yes i also wonder if that schizophrenic piece like because clearly he was not trying to get help not trying to like get better not acknowledging like oh i am right not well and because he's now like only 49 or 50 he's pretty young and so it would put these crimes in his like mid 20s which is when schizophrenia starts like appearing when you have it so i wonder if that's also you know like he just truly could not 
Right. Like, like that's differentiate between reality for. and yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. What I also thought was really interesting too about this one specifically, again, her body was discovered like just a few miles away from the truck stop. But this is the first one where they report her underwear and shoes were missing. So he started to take things from the victims. He started to take like trophies, trophies, trophies. Yeah. I was like mementos, <laughs> things. Yeah, so he started to take trophies because later on in December, in December 1986, so just a few months later, so we're also starting to progress faster, they found, again, another prostitute, 18-year-old April Barnett, again, missing from the same truck stop. Her body was only found a few days later. This one was found a little further away, 70 miles away from the truck stop, but Again, beaten, strangled to death, and some of her clothes were missing as well. And then it progresses even faster. A few days later, 28-year-old prostitute Jill Allen was found murdered in Illinois, again, near the interstate. This one was interesting to me because despite the fact that she had been found in another state, she was deemed a victim of the same killer due to... Are you ready? I'm going to try to say this properly. (laughs) Modus operandi operandi yeah oh i was so close his mo <laughs> yeah <laughs> you did it stacy say it again and I'll, I'll cut it in okay you ready no i think we should keep it <laughs> <laughs> i have to be ch- i'm charming <laughs> whatever gets you through the dexters <laughs> anyways his mo she also, Alan also had been beaten, strangled, was found with her shoes, bras, and underwear missing, and those were never recovered. The next victim was 27-year-old Anne Marie Patterson, who did go missing February 1987 from the same truck stop. Her body, though, wasn't found until 40 days later and even further away, 250 miles away from this. A week before her disappearance, she was also arrested by police at the police station. This was interesting, and I think we can talk about this part a little bit because I want to kind of get your thoughts and opinions. At the police station, she gave information about the murder suspect and described his car during the investigation law enforcement agencies discovered that she made an appointment via cb radio with the client nicknamed dr no who she she you know gave characteristics about being really negative and kind of scrunchy and then she disappeared from this report though police uh and the media later used (laughs) the nickname what did you say he was kind of scrunchy I did say kind of scrunchy. Okay. <laughs> I've I don't never know. heard that before. You ever heard someone be described as scrunchy? No. Nope. Like, Sketchy okay. crunch granola. I've heard. Scrunchy is, let me describe scrunchies for our viewers <laughs> at home. Amanda, Grun- have you heard of scrunchy? Am I out of the loop? On um, I have not. But I it, it painted okay. the picture. Okay. Like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't question it. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Scrunchy. Okay. Scrunchy is like when you haven't showered, you're not feeling very good. Like you're just Are you just talking about me right now. You're just kind of like <laughs> like that. Right. Like I feel kind of scrunchy today. Like <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll take that. I got you. I got you. I'll take that. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, so Dr. No Scrunchy, but this is also where police, because of her report, this is where police picked up the name Dr. No or the nickname Dr. No and used this with the media for the unified, unidentified criminal. Yeah. Which makes sense if that's what the women know him as to have them come yeah. forward. Yes. But- exactly. And this is kind of where we start to see a turning point in the case specifically or when they start to kind of connect things and really kind of put stuff together. So on August 10th, 1987, they found another woman's body in Inglewood. This victim's clothes were disheveled. The upper parts of her clothes. So the bottom parts of her clothes were disheveled down found around her ankles, but like her bra, her top were missing completely. What I thought was really cool was where they found her. They like the nature of like the depression in like the grass and the tire tracks located at the scene. They determined because of this and the depression in that, they determined that the killer threw the victim's corpse out of the car. So whilst it was like either moving or they just he just like chucked the body out of the car instead of like placing the body carefully so i I thought that that might have led a little bit into like his psychosis or psyche at the time of the crime the autopsy revealed that the woman was between the ages of 20 and 25 and again she wasn't identified until later on in 2020 2020 2010 as paula beverly davis and then again relatives identified her tattoos from the pictures being listed in in the um nim nim ups nim ups i don't know national missing and identified person systems is there an acronym for that no okay well it would be nmi national missing and unidentified nmups nim ups anyways moving on uh, <laughs> it was because of this, like they thought that it could, because of her, like they thought it could have been a, a few different things. Now, moving on, November, I, I, it's just becoming so fast and he is progressing and things are just chaotic right now. November 22nd, 1987, they found another body of LaMonica Cole, again, found at a different truck stop in Breezewood, Pennsylvania. Now, despite the fact that this truck stop was located uh, on another interstate she cole was included in the as a potential victim because she died of the same mo strangulation clothes were missing things have been very similar in the style during an investigation lamonica's pimp 24 year old Derek mims told police that the alleged killer who she left with on that day was traveling in a blue semi-trailer truck with white stripes which was also identified as Dr. So Nose here's semi. also my question and yeah. I know the answer but it made me <laughs> mad when I was doing the research uh-huh. you have this pimp in custody he's telling you he's turning out women yeah why is he not also arrested right they probably cut some kind of right. deal. Like if you give us this info, you they we're going to ignore the fact that I bet you're there was hit, no you know deal. I mean, I bet he came in, gave eyewitness and left. 
That's true, too. And they're like, thank you so much, sir. It's the same reason yeah. they don't arrest Johns. Like, why I, in this case, am wondering, like, this guy was so careless. Like, literally throwing bodies on the side of the road. Like, Correct. Just how did people not figure this out? But it goes back to the episode where the detective is like, oh, no, she's just some runaway girl. She's a troubled teenager. And, like, you know, they just brushed off it like, right. oh, she's a sex worker, so, yeah. whatever. She's probably next town over doing whatever. Very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, the last two uh, victims that they identified was 31-year-old Terry Rourke. She was murdered on March 29th, 1988. And then on April 19th, 1990, they found another female's body. They couldn't identify her, so they named her Jane Doe 2. But it wasn't until later in 2017 that she was identified as Patrice Anita Corley, a 29-year-old. These women both died of again, blunt force trauma, they had strangulation, their clothes were disheveled, and pieces of their tops and top part of their clothing was missing. These women, though, were found further away from the scene in different areas versus compared close to that truck stop. But, so, during the investigation, police interviewed hundreds of prostitutes, and to your point, like, hundreds of prostitutes, pimps, Veronica, you're right. Like, it's interesting that they had these people in custody and did not give them, I think, because of, yeah. like, probably deals or, like, they're like, hey, we just want answers. We're not going to get right. you. There were not. And that's, which, like, with prostitutes don't. But you have a pimp. Mm-hmm. That means he has multiple women that he's taking their money. Like, that's my problem is the men are never arrested for these crimes and the women yeah. are routinely brought in and arrested. It's like, yeah. fuck off, dude. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. Arrest the Johns. Get them. Right. (laughs) So during the, like, questioning of these sex workers and pimps, they found and identified that the killer appeared to be a tall, large man with fair skin, dark hair. He was about anywhere aged from the age of 25 to 40. He wore glasses and talked with an accent matching that of someone from, like, the Northeast. The vehicle also that he was describing was a 1984 silver, that they were describing uh, was a 1984 silver truck with a wind blocker and a red hood. From that point, the Ohio Police Department and volunteers from various, like, organizations posted, like, four thousand photographs of the victims and they did i can't say this word identikit oh i think i did it of the offender at like 130 some odd truck stops and service stations across the state they really kind of just went after and threw this out there 1350 truck stops in nine other states and really attacked this they also offered a ten thousand dollar reward for information leading to the res- to the the rest of it. Now, as a result of this effort, five people were detained who at different times were nicknamed Dr. No, but subsequently no charges were filed against any of them because they were never, you know, couldn't be connected to the cases. And I thought it was interesting. The names of these suspects were never disclosed to the public. On most of the corpses, biological traces were discovered that 
also led investigators to the perpetrator. So like sperm, there was like hairs and things like that. They were found, but it they weren't enough to give a full identification. They gave a lot of mixed results. So due to that fact, all of the victims that had engaged in like sexual activities and sexual assault they couldn't make a full identity of it because they also found like other sperm and things like that on them i didn't know how to say that nicely yeah so it's basically (laughs) the issue that like actually there's a this happens in a lot of rape cases actually you'd be surprised is Mm -hmm. like let's say i god willing never get raped but i also happen to have had sex with my boyfriend consensually or mm-hmm. i have happened to have consensual sex don't even have to have a partner i've happened to have consensual right. sex within a certain time frame i think it's like 48 hours and yeah, then i get raped hours. one this will say that i'm a loose woman and i'm having sex Two, it will be very hard to prove. I mean, rape's already hard to prove, but that one sperm versus the other, even though I'm saying it was not consensual, it's once it hits jury, it's like, well, she has sperm in her. How dare she? Right. Yeah. Yeah, That part is interesting. And I I really, I hate how that is used against women to profile them into, like you said, being these deviants. And yeah, that's unfair. Yeah, that is unfair. And gay men as well. I should include yeah, exactly. gay men will, uh, really have that issue. Correct. Yeah, and it's how do you so rape a man is always correct. the question. Yeah, exactly. And it's unfair to the victims and to the case, and it paints them in this light. Uh, it characterizes them as certain specific ways. And again, we just it's unfair in my opinion but absolutely so we have all of these suspects that were ruled out over like dna there were a couple of people who popped up because of other victims that were found along the way i think there were five like i said five total suspects and it wasn't until early 2019 that at this point, 49-year-old Samuel Legg was arrested in Arizona. They used familial DNA profiling. Law enforcement agencies were able to prove his guilt in four murders in Ohio and Illinois because of that. The first of which he committed when he was 20 years old in 1989. His initial arrest was due to a match that they found in an unsolved rape in 1997 of a minor in Medina County, Ohio, where he was extradited to stand trial. In the fall of 1990, he was also a suspect in the murder of his stepdaughter, 14-year-old Angela Hicks in Elyria. But there wasn't enough evidence for them to be fully charged, so that was let go. (sighs) Now we get into (gasps) the current trial. We touched on this a little bit, but it's been like three or four, I think it's three times total that his lawyers have been brought forward to say that he has been repeatedly deemed, like he's been deemed mentally incompetent several times and unfit for trial. Yeah. He, again, doesn't have his next competency hearing until 2025. Yeah. Yeah. And so we'll see how that plays out. And I have thoughts on that. And I'm interested to hear your guys' opinions on like, how do we bring justice to the victims in this case? 
currently. Yeah. So for me, I mean, I guess the closest I've gotten is I was friends with Brianna Dennison, mm-hmm. who for people who don't know, she was a young woman in Reno, Nevada, who was kidnapped, raped and killed. And the guy was a serial rapist on campus. And he was charged and sentenced to death. And mm-hmm. our friend Kristen, who does the peer review, was on his one of his appeal juries. He, they were appealing the death sentence, um, and she was on that. And ev- everyone knew Brie and the Denisons, and it, it was just a very intense thing. But I've never been in a situation where it's like, my immediate family has you know died, and they have to find this person. So for me, I think justice has been served because they got him, and they got him mm-hmm. off the streets. And he, even if he's deemed incompetent for the rest of his life, he will never be free. No. Yeah. So is there a guilty? No. And maybe some people need that for closure. Right. There's some people who are like, need the death penalty for closure, which is, I think they need to look within themselves as why, because that's, I think, a vengeance thing, which is fine. If you, I'm a big person for vengeance. So (laughs) whatever you need to feel better. For me, I think it has been served. They found him. They've gotten one more predator Mm -hmm. off the streets. Mm-hmm. Like, do we need him to stand trial? I mean, it's his constitutional right, but it's also his constitutional right not to stand trial mm-hmm. while he's incompetent to do so, while he'll hurt his own defense. So right. we're in a limbo, but <laughs> he is technically imprisoned. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, if there's like, I mean, if there, because I don't know, if there's no way to like, if he can't get out, but if, you know, what if he could one day just be like, hey, I'm going to sign myself out because. I'm over this. The voices in my head said, go run free in the street. Like, you know, like it can't, is he in a place where he cannot do that? But he can. I feel like that's part of the justice piece or like the closure piece. Like could those families for sure be like, yeah. He's under arrest. So he can't sign himself out. Right. Right. Well, that, and it has been proven via DNA that he did actually kill people. Like, then again, it was proven that OJ killed two people through DNA, too, and that... Yeah, and that dude's running through the street. So. Beyond a reasonable doubt. Beyond So what we're saying is this guy doubt. needs Johnny Cochran. Wait, didn't Johnny die? <laughs> Shit, didn't did Johnny die? He's dead. Isn't that the They're Kardashians? Gone. Wait, the no, Kardashians Robert Kardashian. Rob Kardashian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm conflicted on this one. But also, I think the unfair part is, are there even family members looking to get justice for these women? Like, how much of a priority do people find this case? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, are they they in a rush to, like, get justice? Or are they just like, oh, this guy's crazy, and we got him, so let's move on. That also brings the philosophical question, is there ever justice for victims? The victims are dead. They don't know. So the justice is for family members and friends. Right. So right. Or the public to make them feel better. Yeah. Right. Yeah, completely. And how do we bring awareness to the hell of the word, the community of sex workers? Like, how do we bring safety, awareness, justice to what it is that we do? Like... You legalize it and you exactly. unionize it. Yeah, like they exactly. deserve protection as much as... Correct, yeah. correct. You are not less than because you are choosing that work. Or because like, you're forced, not se- but like you feel like you have no other option. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. So again, I think that really is kind of 
what the biggest through line for me during this, like during the research and doing looking into this is like, man, I'm very thankful that I live in a state that recognizes that and that does provide like a option of like legalizing, you know, sex work because we, they need protection. People just simply need protection and, and vulnerable communities need more protection. Correct. Correct. Vulnerable communities need more protection. So all right. Well, I mean, I think that's yeah, that's it. That's the the that's the episode through line. Yeah, tonight <laughs> I think is vulnerable communities need more protection. Don't get in a car with a trucker. I think that's it. I think Support that's your local sex workers. What we've found. Yes, yes, and like, let me get on my soapbox for two seconds. Like, as a community, <laughs> as a as a whole, as a society, we need to provide freaking resources to people so that they feel like they can live and have basic necessities and don't feel forced into certain things that are making unpoor and unsafe choices because that they have to make money like yeah i like the rise of the sugar baby apps and only fans because now you're able to do sex work and there are so many like we all have friends, I'm sure, who do that kind of sex work by choice because it's mm-hmm. good money, because they're safe, they control it. It's very much a, I meet who I want when I want. You know, it's that top echelon of the right. escort. Right. And some people just like doing it. Yeah. And they like doing it and they set the rules, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what it should be for everybody. Right. Right. Did we just solve all the world problem? Oh my oh God. My Did God. we just? Did we just figure out world peace? Oh my god, you guys see that out. (laughs) Done. Time for brunch. It's been so nice having you, Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) Amanda, do you have uh, any shows coming up? Um, I am not currently in any shows, but and to speak to the work, like I I don't know if you've said this on our podcast before, but Amanda, you're the marketing director over at Good Luck Macbeth Theater here in Reno, Nevada. Mm -hmm. They are doing a big major capital campaign right now to go and buy their building. So they are a non-for-profit theater and they are doing a huge push. Um, The building is selling and they they won't have a home if if this goes away. And we all know what rent prices are like here in, in the world. So if you have an opportunity, support Amanda through going to Good Luck Macbeth.org and donate to their capital campaign so that this theater can buy their building and stay in their home currently because they do good work and Amanda is great at their social media stuff. So. Thank but you. Not you should do marketing. <laughs> Look at that. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I did not come prepared with any plugs. Shoot. I guess I get better get on my exit. I'm trying to just get money in general, like sponsor us, get good luck with Beth money. I just like money. I love that. Give us all money. money support, you know what? Just support your favorite performing artist. Period. Yeah. Support Shows. women by giving Music. us money. Yes. yes. Support your local women. Mm-hmm. Give them all money. Correct. Yes. This money. has been a production of SugarDaddy.com. Sponsor us. Sponsor us. I would lose my mind. Oh my gosh. Okay, Amanda. Well, thank you so much for coming on. As always, like, subscribe, download, sponsor us. And uh, join us next week for another episode of Criminal Giants. Yeah.